Now, you're very welcome back to this week. Now, do we need to talk to the young men in our lives about social media influencer Andrew Tate? He and his brother Tristan are currently in prison in Romania, but they're denying charges of involvement in human trafficking and rape. Are they using their online profile to promote misogyny and darker messages to young men? And if so, what's to be done? Dr. Debbie Ging, Associate Professor of Digital Media and Gender in DCU's School of Communications, is with us. Let's listen first to young men that I met outside the Galway campus of the Atlantic Technical University who told me that they were familiar with Tate's messaging. I've heard of him through social media and, and other platforms like that, yeah. And do you follow him in any way? I wouldn't follow him, no, but it's, it's hard to stay away from him if you're on, uh, say, the likes of TikTok or uh, Instagram like that. He's fairly well uh, preceded there. And come here, is there any sense to the type of stuff that he's saying? I think the initial his initial kind of uh, methods was to be as... Uh, as uh, wild as you could could be at the beginning. I think that actually got him his big uh, kind of face on social media and that because he was saying some very kind of uh, out there things. I think after a while, once he kind of got a bit of an image to himself, he kind of drew it back, but he still kind of kept this kind of like alpha male macho kind of symbol to himself. But uh, I wouldn't say in my opinion, I'd agree with everything that he says. Obviously some makes sense, some is a bit too wild. Like. There's obviously like this this new kind of the things that have come out about him and stuff so we yeah. don't know how much is true or how much uh, people are actually just making out to be worse than he is It's very good for like men's mental health like uh, he's able to motivate young people like us as men in society and stuff and but there is like a lot of stuff he says that I think he just uses it for to get more views and stuff but I actually do think he, he has good in him like you know yeah. Are there many like him on, on TikTok? Not really, like he's very different from everyone everyone else. Like I feel like he's his brother as well. They're both great motivators, you know. Tristan, yeah. They also say that um like brothers need to be more close and stuff. He says like a lot of brothers are they don't really talk to each other a lot and he says family needs to be important and stuff like that and yeah. So were you surprised then by the things that are coming out now? A bit, yeah. Like I don't know, like it's hard to know because we haven't seen evidence yet, you know. So who knows if it's true or not. How about yourself? Would you follow the Tates in any way? Uh, I'd kind of keep up with them more, just keeping up with their controversies more than following them closely. But uh, it's mad what's going on because they, they got denied their appeal to get out of jail, uh, I think, recently. So they're still being detained over in Romania while they're still being investigated for the human trafficking and all that but do you detect any misogyny or women hating from what he's saying i wouldn't say women hating but definitely misogynistic comments and stuff like that like i suppose very derogatory terms uh referencing women and just their their roles and men's roles uh that while men are the providers that women should kind of do as the man says because the man should be providing for the woman and all these kind of terms but would you agree with that no of course like i I like him one one moment and then i'm like oh come on like why is he saying that you know he kind of keeps he says something really good and then he just says something kind of stupid and you're like oh why why'd you say that like you know Welcome, Dr. Debbie Ging, to studio. Can i ask you uh would you say that those are typical responses to andrew tate I think they are fairly typical and I think what's interesting about them is the uh well, thankfully the ability of uh of young men to separate the 
more extreme misogynistic content from what they see as some value in terms of what he has to say about mental health. So at least there's a kind of a critical response to the um, misogyny element. But I think this separation, the idea that you can pull you know, his his misogyny away from what he has to say about mental health is also hugely problematic because, um, you know, there's so many more uh, progressive, positive uh, male role models out there in terms of mental health. If, you know, even within Ireland, if you look at Blind Boy, um, PJ Gallagher and what he's recently had to say about his experiences of, of depression, if you look at what the GAA um, are doing now in terms of, of positive mental health for men, these are all very, you know, empathetic um, initiatives to engage with mental health in a way that that people like Andrew Tate are not. You know, they're they're in, they're informed by intimacy, by the need for empathy, strong communication skills and networks between uh, boys and men. They're about giving. They're about creativity, connecting with our ecosystem and with our fellow human beings. Whereas mm-hmm. Andrew Tate's idea of mental health is very much focused on discipline, on order on, you know, kind of remaining in control and a a disconnection from emotion uh, and from vulnerability and from the ecosystem, um, which is profoundly damaging um, to boys and young men. He does um, inhabit what has come to be known as the Manosphere. Can you tell us what is the Manosphere? The Manosphere is a loose network of online communities um, which are united by their common um, belief in the red pill, ideology. So to be red-pilled is to become enlightened to the fact that uh, the world is a gynocentric, pro-feminist, pro-woman conspiracy that disadvantages um, men. Um, So you have different uh, formations within the manosphere. You have pickup artists who teach men how to seduce women. You have uh, MGTOs or men going their own way who've decided to have nothing to do with women. You have incels who are involuntary celibates who who are feel that they're denied the sex that they're entitled. And you have a more kind of traditional conservative element within that. So there's a lot of very disparate groups, but they're all united by a belief in evolutionary psychology, a desire to return to very fixed gender stereotypical um, gender roles and and sex roles. So would you say, do we need to be talking to to the young men around us and those in our lives about Andrew Tate? We absolutely do. Um, His influence is is extremely uh, dangerous, I think. We're seeing uh, recently in, in research that we've been doing the impact of these influences. I mean, this is not new. I've been researching um, this idea of masculinity in crisis and anti-feminist men's rights for nearly 20 years. Um, but we're seeing a kind of pushback in classrooms. Teachers and youth workers are seeing um, a lot of uh, misogynist kind of sentiment uh, among boys and young men. Uh, they see influences like this and the broader manosphere um, influencing uh, boys' behaviours. And all of the research that we're doing with girls as well and in youth cultures, they're telling us that this rhetoric uh, of of the red pill and of the manosphere is part of their daily lives and also that sexual harassment and abuse are part of their uh, daily lives. And yet have figures like Andrew Tate and Tristan Tate identified a legitimate sense of male alienation? There's a lot of conspiracy theories, a lot of anti-government, anti-establishment stuff there. Perhaps young men feeling that they're never going to reach their potential like owning a home, something as simple as that. Absolutely. Um, but the problem here is neoliberal capitalism. The problem is the fact that the social safety net 
internet has been eroded, the unions uh, have been eroded, that work has become, um, you know, it's it's not stable anymore. And, you know, th- this is an economic problem effectively, but it's much easier, obviously, to, to scapegoat feminism or to scapegoat. So they're looking in the wrong place for the scapegoat. Absolutely. Right. So Absolutely. should male mentors perhaps in schools take take this up here? Totally. I mean, we need to, this this education needs to start at a very young age. It needs to start in primary school. We need to be talking more about consent, teaching empathy, uh, allowing um, both boys and girls to, you know, to in, enact whatever gender identities they want, to stop imposing gender norms on children which limit their self-expression. Uh, and their capacity to empathise with others. So I think this has to start from a very young age. We have to uh, start talking about pornography, which boys are engaging with uh, deeply misogynistic pornography from a very young age, um, you know, nine, ten. They're getting very confusing messages about women, about power, uh, about consent. Um, A lot of boys are spending a huge amount of time online and I think we have to talk to them about what impact that has on them if their worldview is being primarily formed by what they're hearing through online um, echo chambers. And one of the most important things we need to to get across there, and people like Blind Boy do this really, really well, is is to counter this message or this idea that feminism is Mm -hmm. anti-men, you know, to to instill the message that feminism is progressive for men as well. Okay, Dr. Debbie Ging, thank you very much for joining us. Debbie Ging is Associate Professor of Digital Media and Gender in DCU School of Communications.